You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, this is about three weeks since the Ptira of the Paisek of America, David Feinstein, Zechert Sadev Kodesh Rocha. And as we have said uh, in, in some previous uh, shiurim and podcasts that we've had, that we wanted to be maktish this month uh, to not only divrei zikaroin, uh, which we had uh, through a number of our shiurim, but specifically his divrei teira. Um, Chazal tell us in, in Shkolim that ein ois in the foshas of tzadikim divreim hein hein zichroinon. In many ways, the beis medrash al kvoroi that we're able to establish uh, is strongest when we can actually understand uh, the mahalach of Torah of someone who is an anak in learning and psak like Rab David. And I, I thought it would be appropriate, as we've, are, we've had a number of uh, incredible stories of how of, of his anivus, of his tzidkus, I thought at least we could give over some divrei Torah from Rab David, from his own writing that he wrote in the, the journal of Torah Vahiro, uh, that was published in the early and mid-70s, up until I think, again, I'm not sure when the last edition was published, but it, these, are, these are things that Rab David wrote as somewhat of a young man in his 40s, in 1972 and 73, Psokim that I think are relevant to Hanukkah, and also in terms of Avelus, as we all feel the Avelus of Claudius. So I want to mention, uh, not only are we recording, but we also have the schluss of having uh, with us, I see, on our, in our participants, uh, the Rosh Hashiva of Yeshiva uh, uh someone I was Zocha to learn from as a Chavrusa, uh, a, a, a tremendous Talmud uh, Chochem and Machabras Forum, Rabbi Chonan Adler, and I really appreciate the fact that he's here with us. I don't want to put him on the spot. He was, of course, a very big bacanter of, uh, of Rabbi David, and he has recorded a, a hesped that is also available for those to listen to on our podcast site as well as YU Torah. But we also have with us my very close friend, uh, my mentor in many ways, uh, really one of the, the, the great Darshanim in Claudius role today, uh, and a, a big surprise that he's here with us and a very big schus. And I, of course, if we are making a, a divrei zikorin for Rabbi David, uh, I, I have to, I put Rabbi Pesach Kron, uh, Shlita on the spot. And Rabbi Pesach, if you can start us off here, I know in, 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 in a way that will really set the tone for us and give us uh, some insight. Rabbi Pesach, please. So, Avramo, it's such an honor to do this program, you know, on the spot together with you. You know how much I admire you and love you for all the years that we know each other. But I want to begin by saying that this past week I had to make a video about Haftiras for the Bedibur Echad program for Agudas Yisrael. And I used a wonderful sefer that Rab David Zechatzadik with Kodesh Lavrocha wrote called Haftiras, and it's called Doidi, uh, printed by Art Scroll. Unfortunately, it's out of print now, but I hope that by my talking about it and others learning and hearing about it, they're going to ask Art Scroll, of course, to reprint it. And Baruch Moskowitz was kind enough to lend it to me. But I think that the Hagdama that Rab David wrote in there is so appropriate for our getting together today. Where did Haftiris come from? 
And it happened in the time of Antiochus that when he did not allow Klal Yisrael to read the Torah or to learn Torah. And we know that in the Alanisim we say that they were trying to make us forget our Torah, but they didn't care if we read Nevi'im. They felt Nevi'im was only Musr, but it wasn't halachas and how to guide us in our practical day-to-day activities. And so therefore, Rab David, what he did was he shows in every single Haftarah how it's connected to the Parsha. And so therefore, the Haftarahs were there, so we should not be forgetting the Torah. And what you are doing, Rabbi Vremel, is to make sure that we do not forget Rabbi David's Torah and how appropriate is that. Um, my own personal contact with him was not that much, although I did do quite a few Brisson and Tres Yushalayim, and he was the Sandik, and he was uh, very, very kind to me, always very nice. And I remember one thing that he once told me, that uh, I had asked him when somebody makes the bracha, should he wait until after the um, the fellow gives the name? If sometimes you give the cover to somebody else, or should the fellow drink from the wine right away because he finished saying the bracha? So he said that Rabbi Moshe felt that the um, you should drink right after you say Karasabris if you're not naming the child. If you're naming the child, so then that's all part of the tefillah, you would drink afterwards. So I said, you know, I wrote a book for Art Scroll uh, about bris mila, and I did not put that in. I wasn't aware of that. So should I write it in? So I remember his classic answer. And he said to me, and the Shreibnit Naya Chumras. In other words, <laughs> I loved it. You know, it, it, you know, Klaus, you so managed without your putting it in the book. Don't put it in now. Don't write a new churma that the guy has to drink after Kuras Abris. Whatever. If people know it, fine. If they don't, you know, he'll just not talk until after the Kriya Sashem. But, uh, you know, he was very uh, cavalier about that, you know, not to write new churmas. And uh, I guess that was his personality as well. And of course, I know you want to talk halachas. I do have certain stories about him, but you go ahead because this is lahashkicham terasecha. We want to avoid that and learn the halachas of what Rabbi David said. So Avramo, thank you for this opportunity. Pesach, uh, thank you so much again. And again, it's only the best friends that you could put on the spot <laughs> like that. Anytime. Uh, yeah. I, I will tell you that you know, we mentioned Art Scroll and I know Rabbi Adler in your beautiful hesped that you gave for Rabbi David, you mentioned about Rab David's uh, standing in Art Scroll, not only as Mayor Zlotowicz's Atzal's Rebbe, but also as the advisor on so many halachic issues uh, that Art Scroll had. Um, so I, I reached out to one of my close friends who is a uh, senior editor in Art Scroll. Um, I don't want to say his name because I don't know if he would want us to to mention that. But I asked him about some of Rav David's Psalkin for Art Scroll, and I thought this one was very, uh, very interesting and important in terms of giving us Rav David's outlook. Um, one thing I've noticed, and just as an introduction, in the pieces that are in Latayr Vahiro, uh, you can see Rav David's total mastery over the Mishnah Bura to every single fine point of every Sharetziu and uh, really a, a, a tachlis of what was possible. Now, I do want to mention, though, uh, and, and therefore, just obviously, I mean, that is the safer hapsak for Klau Yisrael. So the question was asked to Reb David by the Art Scroll uh, administrators whether they should ready a Mishnah Brura 
done with ArtsGrow. And we know there has been uh, a number of attempts, and I think one quite successful, I don't remember the name, I know some of my people who, have, who I was able to teach are now working on that project. Um, I'm sure there, there are people here who remember the name of it better than I do. But I know it's, it's, it's in all the bookstores. And ArtsGrow was really there in the beginning wondering, should we translate and work on a Mishnah Bura and put out as a major project for ArtsGrow, as they had, were doing with the Shas, which, of course, Rav David was an extreme um, advocate for. And Rav David's Pesach, what he told them was no. Rav David felt that the Mishnah Bura should stay not translated so easily for every Balabas who didn't necessarily go through the hoops of learning it in the original. When it comes to Shas, there was a Hisnagdus, as this person told me as well, to translating the Shas in a way that would perhaps undermine the Amelis Patera that was necessary to produce real Amdani, people who would use the Shas as a crutch. People, but Rabbi David felt that for the sake of, of the Tzibor, and this seems to be the das of his father, Ramesha, who, as we know, gave a haskama to Steinsaltz as well. It's, not, it's one of the things that uh, you don't hear that often, but Rav Meisha gave uh, Rav Adin Steinsaltz as well uh, uh, haskama. So it's, uh, it's not surprising that Rav David felt that a, 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 a translation of Shas was definitely important, and he pushed it, of course, like his father did. But the Mishnaburah, he felt, would lead to people inaccurately understanding things and poskening incorrectly. So even though there was a balance of, but there's going to be so many people that aren't going to have be able to learn the safer. There's going to be people that are going to be closed off because their their understanding of Lashon HaKadosh and Rabbinic Hebrew uh, and, 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 and the, the, the intricacies of the way the book was written are going to find the book closed. Rabbi David felt that was worthwhile. Because the what would be lost by translating it would be the the the, the kedusha of halacha and how halacha should really be in some way retained by the people who know. Well, obviously, every balabas should be able to paskin on most on many shilas for himself before he consults the rov. But he has to do the work of being able to learn the sefer and understand it. Reb David was worried that if the sefer became something you could just pick up like an art scroll that the idea of halacha would be, although in some ways spread out, because more people would be open to the safer, but the fine-tuned understanding in terms of the real psokim would actually be watered down and interpreted incorrectly. So it was worthwhile keeping this in the rabbinic um, laboratory, in the rabbinic high tower, that it should be reserved for B'nai Teirah, who really learn it uh, truly and uh, effectively, rather than opening it up, because he felt that would lead to a, a kilko in halacha, would lead to people not passing correctly and thinking that they understood things when they hadn't yet done the real necessary groundwork for that. So I thought that was a very interesting psaac from Reb David, which really not only speaks to his, his subtlety and his understanding of that balance. And, 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 and this, I, I just, on that note, I want to speak about some Hanukkah psokim, uh that Reb David gave. Okay, so one of the things as, as we're approaching Hanukkah, uh, this was a question that comes up frequently. 
It was a question I had when I was in yeshiva, and maybe Rabbi Kron and others as well had when we get sent away to yeshiva. Where does a bocher in yeshiva, who's like I was in yeshiva, that you eat your three meals a day in the dining room, and you have a dorm room where that you share with two other fellows, um, where is the proper place to light Hadlokas Neros? Now, I'm going to tell you that the psak that we had uh, in Ner Yisrael, and that was also the psak that you can find in the Piskei Chuvas, which, of course, is a much later work, uh, um, Paskins, that you should you should light in the Cheder Ochel. Uh, let's take a look at what Rab David said about this. So, again, the question is, where do Bochra Yeshiva light? Um, clearly, now, you might say they're lighting for them at home. That would be the easiest question, the easiest answer. But a bocher who gets sent away to yeshiva, who isn't going home, in some ways is sort of like, uh, is he part of the B'nai Bias that are in, I was in Memphis, my B'nai Bias in Memphis, are they lighting for me when I'm in Baltimore? Probably not. In that sense, it's sort of like you're going away. And even though, of course, you feel a kesher to your family, but if you're only there for B'nai Azmanim, two or three times a year, you have to sort of recalibrate and decide where is it you should be lighting. Should you light where you eat or should you light where you're sleeping? Both of these places are given to you as a bocher in the yeshiva, whether you pay full tuition or not. So the place where Rabdovid begins his, his, his beer in this Indian comes from the Shulchan Aruch itself. I'll show you the Shulchan Aruch here. Now I have you, we're screen sharing. So I'm showing you the Shulchan Aruch here and you can see it. So here we have here in Simon Tufresh, Ayin Zion, Achsanoi. So an Achsanoi is sort of like a, a, a Bachar and Yeshiva. This is somebody who has a home, but is for the indefinite period staying by someone else. So we know the din of giving a prut to the Balabos. Now, Im Yeshlo Pesach Pasuach La'atzmoi, the Beis Yosef says, the Machaber, let's say you, the Achsanoi has his own room. Okay, so that would be the Bachar of Yeshiva having his own room. So again, the Mechaber, of course, is talking about lighting. It's seemingly outside, but still it's connected to the room where the, uh, the, the, the person is staying. So, even though all you do in that room is sleep, right? The dormitory room is basically meant for sleeping. And he eats, this is again a person who is, he eats in the shulchan of the balabos. So, so therefore, this would be a son who has his own little house, his own apartment that his father has given him, but he eats with his father together in the family. In both of those cases, despite the fact that they eat in a different place, the Beis Yosef Paskins, you would, uh, you would, you would, uh, you would light the neiros in the apartment where you sleep. Here the Ramah says, Yeshayman, Tibizman Again, there are some people who are sending us notes. It's difficult to, um, yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about that in a second about the fire codes. Vyeshayman, Tibizman Azeh, Shemadlikim Bifnim Mamish, Yadlik Bimokim Shoicham. That since, Bizman and this of course is very important for Ashkenazim, and especially who follow the Ramah, that Halach is different than the way it was when the Takon of Nerchanaka was originally promulgated. We are madlik bifnim, and that is the minig of Bnei Ashkenaz, the Ramah says. So since we're madlik bifnim, mamish, we're not outside at all. So therefore, the Ramah says, it's, it's for the people 
of the household, and they're all eating together. The the the, the, the achsanoi is in a sense an art uh, has become part of this household. So he should light, if possible, with the balabos's family, uh, either being mishtatef or lighting his own, and in the in the room where the balabos eats. So based on this psak of the Ramah, it would seem that the yeshiva bocher should also, like the Ramah, light where he eats. Uh, and as, as I said, if you look in the Sefer Piskei Chuvos and many other popular Sifrei Psak, that's what they'll say to do. Now, Michael Poppers raises the point that, wait, wait, you know, if there's fire hazards of lighting in the room, uh, that would obviously push you into the dining room no matter what. Let's assume, however, that that wasn't a problem. Let's assume that that wouldn't be a problem. Let's see what Reb David says. So Reb David says the following. He says, Even though the Ramah says you should eat, you should light where you eat, since today we don't have, and again, this is the, the Hanog of the Ramah, that we don't, we, the Iker Heker is for the Bnei Bayas. We mamish or madlik bifnim. Obviously, we know whenever there's a question in Hilchas Erevin and other places, what's the mokum that's ikr? The mokum that's ikr is mokum achilosai. So therefore, that would be the logical place to light. So Rabbi David is machadish something here. Shine hocha shebe mokum achilo rabim. In the case of the Ramah, it's true that Achsanoi is there. He's he's happy to have a couple of people staying in the house. But it isn't a huge boarding house. However many guests are there, it's not a mokam achilo rabim. It's the mokam achilo of the balabos that he gives guests, so to speak, for the other fellows to eat there with him. And therefore, but a, a yeshiva dining room is mamish on a mokam of achilo rabim. The person has no individual connection there at all. But the dormitory is a place that that's your room. And even though there's two or maybe even three roommates, or, or, or two roommates, or three roommates together, that is kavua for his sleeping. And therefore, Abdavid says, even if you say that we're madlik inside, and every and it's all everyone who's part of this group of this family of this yeshiva. When it comes to hadlokas near Hanukkah, a significant what, what, what shapes where you should do it is the place connected to you. So yes, you have to eat in the dining room. That's where you eat all the time. But this is your spot. Now this, of course, he's referencing the, the what's said by the Mishnah Bura in the Shulchan Aruch, that let's say somebody happens, he's not an achsano, he happens to be eating by someone's house, invited for one of the Hanukkah meals. So even though, again, what would be the svar if you've been invited out to someone's house for the night of Hanukkah? 
Well, in the time of Chazal, where every house in the outside of the house would have to have a Hanukkiah or a menorah, you would say, well, because of Chashad, even though you're eating someplace else today and you're not home, you better light there so people don't think that you've been mezals on the mitzvah near Hanukkah. However, um, Bizman Azeh, if you say the Iker Hekers for the B'nai Bias, well, the whole B'nai Bias are eating at someone else's house. They've been invited out for a Hanukkah meal or party at someone else's house. So still the halacha is, you need to be madlik in your house. Afapisha madlik in bifnim. Even though, come on, we're all lighting inside anyway. And everybody in the house knows that we are guests today. So why shouldn't we be lighting at the table of the of the family that we're eating out or in the room or in the house the family we're eating out so there it's different but what is the halacha the halacha is you still light at home why um because you're eating at this friend's house you and your family as a uh, it's not the usual place that you eat it happens to be you were invited for a Hanukkah meal there. So, Eino Nikr should be Shvilo Hidliko Aneros. So, even though you know that you're here, objectively, this isn't your spot. So, the family would have to light before they went to, to the fam, to, to, to go to the party. Because, why? Because even though where they're going, they all know why they're lighting, still, this is the spot that's Miyuchid more for you. So Rab David therefore says that the dining room is less miyuchid to you than your own dorm room. And therefore it's, it, it lines up with halacha perfectly. Rab David continues, Now, here we're talking about the famous machlekas, about mahadrin mina mahadrin. Now we know, and this is something that... Uh, 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 that there is a big machlekes, the Rambam and Tesis. Uh, what is the, when we talk about mahadrin min mahadrin, which of course is the famous machlekes by Shammai Beisilel, which is that you light the amount, the, the number of neirois that align with the days of Hanukkah itself. That's the mile, of course, of mahadrin min mahadrin. Now the question is, though, we know what mahadrin is. Mahadrin is every person in the house has a menorah written for him. And whether that child lights the menorah or the parent lights the menorah on their behalf, that seems to be a machlikas rishonim and achonim. But we know that there's near the, 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 the bare bones level, of course, is ishu beisai. And then you have the second level, which is near l'kol echod, whether it's the balabos or the person himself lighting, that's a discussion. But then you have the third level, which is which is uh, the amount of uh, the candles equal to the amount of days of Hanukkah. All right, that's basilashita. Okay, so that's mahadrim and mahadrim. So that mahadrim and mahadrim is it going on the second? Is it is it is it assuming everybody in the house is lighting that amount, or is there one Hanukkah, one menorah that symbolizes that? So. We know that Tesis says that that level of Mahadrin and Mahadrin is only when it's one menorah for the whole family. Why? Because Tesis says that if you would, if, if, if it would be everybody lighting, then it wouldn't be Nikr at all what day of Hanukkah it is. Because there's so many Hanukkah, so many menorahs together, and the lights are so pressed 
similarly around each other because Tysus didn't conceive of the huge living rooms or dining rooms or, or, or that we have. So it wouldn't be nicker at all what night of Hanukkah it is. So the Mahadrim and the Mahadrim is one, one menorah for the whole family. And that, of course, is what the Beis Yosef and others say is the Hanhoga of the B'nai Sfarad, following incredibly, like the Taz points out, the sheet of Tysus, right? <laughs> Whereas the Rambam says that uh, Mahadrin min Mahadrin uh, should be like the simplest shot in the Gemara. Everybody lights their own menorah and everybody lights exactly the amount of days for Hanukkah. So the, um, the Ramah actually uh, mentions the opinion of the Rambam as Iker. And the Yosef mentions the opinion of Taisus as the Iker. So now that I gave you that background, let's take a look now at Reb David. So we know that the Beis Yosef still writes that you should you should light it as close to the door as possible, and the Tefach right close to it. Now the Ramah says, I agree that uh, even though we're all lighting inside. And it's mostly for the B'nai bias. Still, try to put it near the door as well, and maybe people could see it from the outside. If possible, it still might be something. But the Ramah writes, if there's too many people, and there's so many people, and they can't all press their Hanukkiyot, their menorahs near the door, they should spread out in different spots in the house, and each one will light their Hanukkiah in their spot. That's much better, the Ramah writes, because if they're all near the doorway, even though that's closer to what the original Takana was, there's not a heker. So that's the Ramah writing. The same Ramah who seems to say the cheder ochel is more important, the Ramah also says heker is crucial. So therefore, Rabbi David feels he has a very strong proof. There's so many people in the dining room, and I remember what it was like in Aries Row as well. We had one big table, and everybody would light by that table. And you have to really get close and figure out, and you also don't know whose menorah is connected to who. He says, Mishum hochi, now, where does that, where is that language from? I just want to show you here in the, um, in the, uh, Ramo itself, where he writes, here's the Ramo from the Mishnah uh, uh, again, we're all lighting inside. Samuch to the Pesach is not that crucial here, because Samuch to the Pesach, since again, the Ramah is going like the Rambam, that everybody in the family should light the menorah, and everybody should light the amount of candles. It's going to be a, a, a bilbul if you do it that way. Even though he says, but make sure you don't put it in the normal spot where the normal candles are for the house. 
So the Ramah is asking, well, who cares? Still put it near the window. Put it near the window. Put it near the door. Everybody can figure out, hey, that's my Hanukkah. That's mine. All the little kids and the parents know which one belongs to them. So here's Reb David's Chiddush. So even though the people that are lighting it are, are, are acutely aware that this was their menorah, and the bocher in the yeshiva who lights in the dining room would say, hey, that's mine. You see mine? That's the one with the Coke bottles. Still, it has to be objectively miyuchet to you. Having a kretschma, having a whole bunch of people all together eating in this huge, uh, this huge dining room, this... It's, 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 it's mufka from the sense of his yachtus, and the menorah is definitely less shayach to that person. And therefore, Rabbi David felt that was the psak to, to have it in the dine, have it in the dorm room. And that, as you can see, is Rabbi David's really reading beyond the, the exact words and coming up, which I think, uh, a very nice glot chiddush. And as I said, simple, but brilliant at the same time. Okay, that's one Hanukkah piece. I want to go to the other piece um, about Hanukkah. And this is a piece that was um, written also in 73, I believe, or 74. And this has a, a, a question that's built on what we were talking about. Now, in order to explain it, I, I would like uh, to, to indulge you, if you don't mind, with this piece of Mishnabura. Now, Let's say, and it happens often, that uh, people during Hanukkah are traveling, they're getting home late, they were busy at work, whatever it is, and by the time they have come home, by the time the, the people have arrived home, people, everyone is asleep. The family did not light Bisman, and we'll talk about even why lighting Bisman is important according to the Ramah. Again, the Ramah keeps on saying the Iker Heker is for people lighting Bifnin. So the whole idea of lighting Bisman, and Rav David speaks about that as well, and we'll get to that as we read the shtickle. But first of all, what is the background? The background that Rav David was asked about was people who come home late, the family didn't light, everybody's asleep, what do you do in that point? So if we take a look at the Mishnah Burr, the Mishnah Burr is going on the pieces of the, the Mechaber, that based on the fact that Bizman Azeh, you can light after the Zman, and what Taisa says, you can even light with a Brocha after the official Zman, you can light all night. Says the Mishnah Burr in Sifkot and Yudalef, and again, I'll make it a little bit larger for those of you, And I just want everyone, because you really don't appreciate Rabdovid unless you see. Uh, part of the brilliance of Rabdovid is, is that he, he, he makes very, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Pace. I will, this, I, I'll make, I'll, I'll try to wrap this up very quickly, though. Okay. So if you take a look here, uh, what is the halakha? The person comes home late. Davkin b'nei abayis n'urin. They have to be up. If if they if they are asleep, If they're asleep, make the you, you have a right to make the brocha. I'm sorry, you have a right to be madlik, but but it's possible that there's no brocha. Why that you weren't yotz of the mitzvah? Why? The same way in the time of Chazal that you lit outside. There was a certain period when Pir Samanes took place. 
according to the first answer in the Gemara there. The Gemara says that you have from the time of Shkia till Tichel Reglam and Ashuk. After that time, as the Rishonim say, you're not, you don't, you're not Madlik, according to that answer in the Gemara. So now that's transposed to us. The, the Hecker is for the people, the Bnei Bias. Well, there's, the Bnei Bias are sleeping. So therefore, according to that opinion, you're not really, you haven't been Makayim the Mitzvah near Hanukkah, and therefore you shouldn't be Madlik with a Bracha, because according to that opinion. Now, the, uh, the Sharetzion mentions here that that is the Psaka of the Mogan Avram. That if no one is up, if you're the only one up, you light without a Bracha. The Sharetzion mentions the opinion of the Chemed Moshe, that if you get there and it's late and everybody's asleep, he agrees with the Mogan Avram in some way that if you can wake people up and it's not much of a problem, then that's probably the best way to do it. However, he says that he really believes that if you can't wake them up and, and, you, and, and you, they don't want to be woken up, that you can make a bracha. In other words, the Chemin Moshe's opinion is that even one person by himself in the house can make a bracha, even though nobody else is up. And his question on the Mogan Avram is, how can the Mogan Avram be correct? That one person, if he's the only one up in the house, he can't make the bracha. What about a person who lives in a place who doesn't have family? What about a person who doesn't live, uh, he's all by himself? Or a person, uh, right? Or a person who lives, Ben uh, a person who lives by himself in some place where there aren't any Jews. Wouldn't the Mogan Avram agree that you should make a bracha? And therefore, he says that, of course, it's better to wake someone up or if the person's up. But if there's no people around, you shouldn't be mavato the mitzvah. So the Chemin Moshe says he believes the minig is not like what it says in the Mogan Avram and that the Mishnah Burra brings up here. Now, the Mishnah Burra, though, says... I don't know if this is a minig oilam or not, but since it's a machlekes, if this occurs, you should not, you should light without a bracha. But then the Mishabura says, Misha Salina The Mishabura went out of his way here in the Sharetzion to extol the Chemin Moshe and to extol it as something positive. And therefore he says, even though the Mogan Avram is normative halacha, and when you come home late, you light without a bracha, if you want to be Saimach on the Chem and Moshe and light with the Bracha, the Mishabura thinks you're all right. Now that's the background you need. So therefore, I just now want to show you Rabdavid. So Rabdavid uh, uh, mentions now that what about someone, again, the same question of the Chem and Moshe, you live by yourself. Or, as Rabdavid says, your family is eating someplace else uh, and you're not there with them. And Reb David points out, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to eat before your madlik neiros. So what should you do? So he quotes the Sharetzion with the Chem and Moshe that I just brought for you, and then he says the following. Here's Reb David's uh, uh, simply simple brilliance. If you just read the Mishnah Bura, you get the impression that the Mogan Avram, there's a kasha the Chem and Moshe has. The Mogan Avram feels that now that we're madlik bifnim. You, Pearson is only if it's you towards someone else. There's the same and the one who gets the effect. An uh, individual cannot be Mepharsim to himself. That's the impression you get from the Mishnah Bura, and if you just read the Mogan of Ram Kipshuta. And the Chemin Moshe holds that you don't, that if you're the only one, that you can be Mepharsim it to, to yourself. That's also something. 
Rav David says that can't be true. The Mogan of Ram obviously agrees that if somebody lives by himself, he lights and he with a bracha. Because if you're all by yourself, then you are the whole entree bias. The Mogan of Ram holds if there's more people living here and they're asleep, you need them because it's a din in the bias. So therefore, Rabdavid is machadish. That even the Mogan of Ram is not arguing with the Chem and Moshe. And if let's say your whole family is by your, your, your father-in-law and you're here and you want to light because you, you, you want, you, you're maybe coming home, your family's away. That's like you're living by yourself in a different town. And even the Mogan of Ram would agree that you could light with a bracha, even though they're not here. Because the Mogan of Ram agrees that if, 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 let me just say, put it simply. If there are people in the house and they're asleep, then it felt in the in the piercing for the B'nai bias. But if the people are not here for today, if you're the only one there, of course you light with a brocha. And therefore the Chem and Moshe's kashas are not really a kasha b'chal on the Mogan Avram. The Chem and Moshe talked about somebody who lives by himself, someone who lives by Nagoyim, of course, that's the B'nai bias. The Mogan Avram is talking simply where you have a family and you came home late and most of them are asleep. So since the, the, the mitzvah is for the B'nai bias and they're asleep, so that's why you would have to either wake them up or be modeled without a bracha. Okay, so that's one Chiddush of Reb David here. The other Chiddush of David said is the following. And again, you have to read carefully. I don't want to be Myra here, but if, but if you read carefully, Reb David says that to watch a color regal menashuk ki oz hu iker hatakono these two and a half lines written very cryptically. And one of the things Rab David did in these pieces, and again, I, I, I went through many of the Shtiklach of these articles from the 70s. Rab David was clearly the most sneistic a writer there. There were big, very big Tamir HaChachamim that were part of this Torah journal. Uh, Rav Eli Melech Bluth Zatzal, Rav, um, Rav Nota Greenblatt, uh, many, many big Talmidah Chachamim uh, contributed here. Rav Nissan Alpert Zatzal. Most of them wrote in much more of an expansive fashion than Rav David. Uh, again, rightfully proud of what they were presenting. Rav David wrote in this compressed little style where you really have to pick out the, the brilliance. And here's a case where I believe he does. Rav David is declaring the following. Even though there's hadloka bifnim for us, this that we're madlik bifnim for the for the household, did that totally eliminate the maila of being madlik bizman and putting it outside for the bnei rishus harabim? Let me say it better. This that the minig Yisrael is to light in the window, is that just icing on the cake? Really, the the main. Uh, toiva is for the B'nai bias, Not just the toiva, the main mitzvah, the main pirsum, the main connection. Well, if you could also uh, get a pirsum, why not? Or, really, it's a combination. And the Orach HaShulchan seems to be of that opinion. That really, you have a choice. If you can go outside, you can do it outside, or you can do it inside. And in fact, therefore, if you could do outside and inside at the same time, lighting it inside and making it for the people outside... You have a double kiyum. Is it icing on the cake? Is it like a mila? Or is it basically a fulfillment of what the kiyum of the takana was? 
Yes, we don't have to be maduk bachutz. But if it's possible, you, you, you really are mechuyiv to do as much pirsum klapi chutz. Now, if you go like the second side of what I'm saying, so you could have been mechadish, Reb David said, that even though there's nobody else here, it's just you, but since you're being mefarsamit to the people barabim, it doesn't make a difference if it's just you. Because now you have the kiyum, the second part of the kiyum, the kiyum that was never eliminated. There was a dispensation to allow you to light inside. But the basic idea of being mafarsim klapechutz is still here. It's still relevant. And therefore, in that way, I have a right to make a bracha. So Rabbi David said, that is not true. If you hold like the Ramah, like the Ashkenazim, that say now it's, 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 it's bifnim, then it's just icing on the cake. There's no hidur. It's a hidur, but it's not part of the essential kiyum of the hadlok of Ner Hanukkah. Now, of course, people will ask, oh, come on, it's not like it wasn't time of Chazal where it was a sakana that you needed to light bifnim. Lighting bachutz, lighting bachutz shouldn't be, uh, lighting, uh, being a piercing bachutz, shouldn't that mean something? So if you take a look here, uh, Reb David says, He proves it, and again, I don't want to go into the details. Uh, those of you that are Talmud HaChachamim and people that are familiar with the Sugis know that this is based on his reading of the Machlekes in the Baliatesis on Dav Chafal from the base, in the Ritorat and the Ri. But here's the point. There's no idea of lekatchila to light bizman. This is a big chiddush. It's not like you are a shtikla paisheya, according to Reb David. Yeah, do it. That's the minag. But it doesn't take away from your etzim kiyum if you lit two hours after shkia, even though the people in the house were there. And therefore, now the shaili is Reb David says, why is it that way? Why is it that there is? It seems like the heker klapi chutz or lighting outside, has been eliminated. He says, maybe, because we live Bein HaGoyim. And therefore, even though there you live in a borough park or a Jewish neighborhood, it's still based on the family inside. Inami, he declares, maybe it's Eis HaShelag Degeshev. Maybe Veruach. Maybe it's the time of snow, and therefore, Chazal, when they made the Takana, made the Takana in a place where you could light outside. There were no glasses. There wasn't a place to protect from the wind. But it was temperate climate enough you could light outside. Chazal understood that if you live in a place like North Northern Europe, or you live in a place like North Jersey, or anything place like that, where the winds are Chicago, where the winds are blowing, they weren't. That's not the way the Takana was eisgestelt to 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 be be madlik outside at all. And therefore, the Pearson for the Bnei Rishon is also not a chelik of the mitzvah essentially anymore. And therefore. And therefore, we light totally inside. So in order to be matir, lighting with a bracha, you have to say Reb David's first mahalach, which is that Vibalt, your family's not here. You are the B'nai Bias, but not because you're being madlik for the people on the street. So Reb David, in the last half of this piece, has said a tremendous yesoid about 
why we are, how we are madlik b'shnim, and what it isn't, despite the fact that the minig Yisrael is to light in the windows. So that's two pieces from Reb David on Hanukkah. I want to, the last thing I want to say over is, I think, a very moving piece that has to do with Hilchas Avelis. So here it is. Um, and, uh, and afterwards, I hope that we'll be, have to be, be able, if we have a, a couple of minutes, we'll be able to hear from some of the other Chosh uh, of here who are assembled. Here was the shy Reb David was asked. You have a woman, Nebuch, let's say, who lost her father or mother, and she's within Yud Beis Chodesh. And now there is a bar mitzvah of her husband's family. Sheben Achi Baila, he Gil Mitzvah. In other words, her husband's blood nephew. They're making a meal and the shul. Okay. Can she go to that simcha? She doesn't, right? She's an, she's an Avelis. So, Rabdovid Paskin, that now, she could go, especially because the main thing to remember here is that her husband feels funny going by himself. He doesn't want to go by himself. Today, people go to Simchas, they don't need their wives with them. In the 60s and the 70s, I'm sure you remember, and in Elizabeth, where I live, uh, it's, it's, the, it's very common. You go with your wife. He didn't want to be by himself. He felt, yeah, my wife's an Avelis. He didn't want that. He wanted to be able to go with his wife, but his wife's an Avelis. What's the din? So Abdavid is machadish something here, which I think, to me, I had never heard before. What is this idea of toch yud beis chodesh lo'aviv? The idea that there's an Isra Simcha. 30 days is up, but you have to keep on Simcha still usher for you, the son and the daughter of the parent who died. Says Reb David, it's Eino Meikar Din Avelis. Avelis is the great pain of feeling what's lost. And psychologically, you need this man in order to, ev- to ever be able to return to the community of Klal Yisrael. You need the shiva, and you need the the the, the lack of of, of 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 pampering yourself and hygiene of the first thirty days. You have to be a little bit of chutzman amachne. You need that because that's where you're coming from—the pain and your suffering. That's chazal's takon of avelus. But really, that's all you need. All you need is that month. What's Rav David's proof? He says. Can anybody say, let's say a person, Nebuch, loses his child. A person's an oval for his child who died. Is there any havamina that the pain is any different? It's probably greater for a father to a child. And still we know that it ends after 30 days. There's The avelus is over after 30 days, and a, a father, even though he's lost the child, can go into a base simcha after 30 days. What could be the rationale for that? Because he says, even though a father has lost his son, after 30 days, as difficult as it is, Chazal don't clamp him down and say, this will be psychologically hurtful for you, and you can't do it. Chazal allow him to go in and say, no, despite the fact that you have this pain that's, that's there, 30 days is up. So if that's true, 
for a father to, when a father loses a son, why when a son loses a father, Reb David is wondering, why is it that we go till 11 months? Why does it go longer? The pain can't be greater than the pain of a, of, of, of a father losing a son, a son losing a father. It's derech Now, by the way, I'm sure Rabbi Krohn and others here know an answer to this question. A very, uh, I don't remember the, the Talmud Chochem who said it, but there is another answer to that question. The answer, although Rabbi David's going to say something different, the other answer is that really if we would allow a father to be misable for a year the way he should, he would lose it. He would be so entrenched in Avelis that the pain would overwhelm him and it would be a sakana even to his life to be shakua there. This is as far that I've heard before. But Rav David says, I think probably maybe much glotter. Rav David says that the reason is, is because it's Pashanah Din and Kibadav. The reason why you go for 12 months as an Avel, even though it's called Avel, that's Kibadav Aim. Because your Mechuyev, to show to yourself how much you lost and how much you owed your parents. Not the essential pain that they're not there with you or the pain of what the, of what it meant to go through their death. That's of course terrible, but that's over in a month. The Hilchas Avelus, the din of the pain that was Chazal feel need to be there for you to be knowing those minhagim. Here it's Pasha the din of Kavan because for you to not go to a, for you to just go into parties, for you to go into a base simcha, that would be a pigia in your kibbutzav, because despite the fact that that you're happy, it's over. It's in the it's in the rearview mirror. Kibbutzav demands that you wait till twelve months is over. So if that's true, Reb David says it's pasha that in this case, noshim or ain biyodim calls man Why? Because since it's a din in kibbutzav, we know when just like when her father or mother were alive. If her husband was uncomfortable, if her husband felt that this would somehow affect the, the, the quality of their relationship or the comfortability of their relationship, and Isha's not mechuyev, she's not meshubit to her, she's meshubit to her husband over and above the, the, the chiv of kibbutzav, this would be the same thing over here. And therefore, Abdavid says that uh, if the husband really feels that way, she can accompany her, her husband to the simcha and be there. She doesn't have to have a table and of course, this psak I think would be relevant for many chasanas as well. Many chasanas again, uh, and other types of simchas. Uh, the, the, if, 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 the, if the wife was Bavelis, she would, according to Reb David's psak, I believe, be able to sit at the table, to sit with everyone. If the husband feels uncomfortable, oh, my wife, and he has to tell everybody, hey, where's where's your rebbets and where's your wife? Oh, she's out in a table outside in the hallway. I think, according to Reb David's psak, if it's past if it's past Shloshim, she'd be mutter me'ikar adin to be able to sit with the family. Now, again, I I I I, I, I want to. This is the last thing I want to say over from Reb David. Because I think in many ways it sort of reflects where we are uh, in these three weeks, uh, the type of tremendous tsar uh, as we've coming to realize what we've lost. And in that sense, I think that what we're doing here is also like a combination of being maviar tsar, but also being able to recognize the COVID that we owe, just like we would owe our parents. He was, in, his, in many ways, the last stop, the last stop for Psach So even for people who weren't able to be close to him, in many ways, we have, in a sense, lost our father. In many sense, clearly, uh, we have to uh, be margish, machmas, the, the chiv of COVID, of what it is that is no longer with us.
So one last one wrap up. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 